Welcome to the Gap Church Podcast, where we're filling the gap through freedom and the truth. Please enjoy this week's message. I have the pleasure of inviting Deborah Jumas, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist with an extensive background of over 17 years in social services. She specializes in the treatment of anxiety, depression, and grief. She takes a systemic approach in her role, and she works diligently with individuals, couples, and families to foster healthy relationships and improve their mental well-being. Deborah delves into the webs of generational ties and guides her clients in identifying and shedding toxic behavior patterns. She is also assisting them in writing their life stories. Come on, somebody. She takes immense joy in integrating psychological interventions with the word of God. Come on, can we just thank God? She actively participates in women's conferences, retreats, workshops, and oversees missions where she imparts her wisdom on managing mental health using biblical principles. Come on, encourage this. She's also passionate about empowering individuals to find wholeness and healing. Deborah also dedicates her time as a volunteer, providing grief support to children who have lost loved ones. She also serves at the Potter's House Dallas. Come on, somebody. She serves a diverse clientele and is fluent in English and Espanol. Originally from Puerto Rico, raised in South Florida, she proudly calls Dallas, Texas her home. And she has been married for a wonderful 12 years and has a daughter. Can we welcome the amazing Deborah Jumas? Come on, give her. That's not how we do. Let's give her some honor this morning. Yeah. Please have your seats. Um, Welcome back, Deborah. Hi. Yeah, let me catch my breath. How are you guys doing the Gap Church? I love it. The home of the sent ones. The home of the sent ones. I I was telling her this morning, I was just so impressed. She's been watching every week since the series started. Can we just thank God for her? She's, so she's been locked in. Yes, yes, that I have some intel from the Holy Spirit. Come so, on, that's what we like to hear. So this is the final hurrah, right? Yes. So, you know, not only have we prepared, but the Holy Spirit has been setting an atmosphere for you guys to really leave this place today with nothing that is going to uh, hold you back from being truly set. Um, because I have been spying. She's been you spying know, on us. <laughs> there, is, there is some people who are holding back. Hmm. And we, we will talk a little bit more about that as, you know, why, why can't I go into my father's presence and really release, right? Why even in his presence, I have to hold back. Wow. See, she just listened. All of us is a little Sorry, intro. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, yeah, we are just going to jump right in this morning. I want to just ask you all, you know, we're going to have uh, live questions being answered. So if you can scan the QR code, that'll come up on the screen. And we will take as many questions as possible today. Um, so I think we're going to try our best to summarize a little bit of what we discussed in the first service because it's important. Um, we talked about narcissism. We talked about authoritative parenting styles and difficulty, you know, navigating through that and forgiving narcissistic or authoritative parents. I just want to briefly kind of overview that if we, if we can. Yes. How, how, how do we briefly I know, overview, right? right? We talked briefly about the difference between narcissism and Sometimes they can feel very similar, right? When we talk about narcissism, even though it's a pop 
2024, right? Everybody's a narcissistic uh, person. The biggest uh, thing to take away is somebody who has a, a sense of grandiose, right? They're intentional in their behavior to crush you, manipulate you, and hurt you. It's very intentional. It's not, you know, it's like if I were to go to Dr. Yanni right now and step on her toe, you know, I would spend the rest of the service convincing her, I didn't step on your toe. So there is a lot of mind manipulation and intention. And then when we talk about authoritative parenting, it goes along the lines of you do as I say, and there's no questions asked. It's more of a dictatorship type of parenting. Yeah, and I think some, this kind of brings us to something that I feel like is important to bring up in our prep. We talked about common traumas that we see in our immigrant communities, right? So a lot of people in this room come from immigrant backgrounds, first or second generation. And um, I thought it was really cool that we talked about the struggle with owing your culture something versus assimilating into this environment. So could we talk about maybe some of the common traits that we see in individuals, especially that you, um, clients of yours, because you, you actually work with a lot of immigrants, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, lots, lots of immigrants, you know, whether it's from Mexico, Nigeria, Ghana, uh, South Africa, Tanzania, just every, everybody uh, that, that has come from the continent of Africa, it's an international uh, ministry. Uh, so yes, so there, you do see lots of similarities from first generation, um, a lot of anxiety, a lot of perfectionism, a lot of even substances that come in in first generations. Wow. Like that always drunk uncle, right? He's yes. coping. Absolutely, that yeah. drunk uncle that, you know, he has a successful accounting firm and works 80 hours a week, but then he always seems to have a drink in his hand. Yeah, so that's coping strategies, right? Yeah, and how sometimes, and I think it was interesting too because you talk about the success, right? Sometimes I think when we achieve success, we also don't understand that we still have some issues that we're probably working through while being successful, right? So what are some common things that you see in your practice that specifically immigrants deal with who are successful? Um, anxiety, inability to sleep, stomach problems, um, that duality of having to uh, navigate who am I? Am I from where I came from? Am I from here? That duality and being first generation, you know, you're, you're the standard. Right, you're the one that has to take the family to the next level. So there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of pressure to pass on the torch, right? To uh, you know work on your life, your career goals, but then also at the same token, be your parents' retirement plan. So I see a lot of that in in my practice where that has to go somewhere, that pressure of having to make it and having to almost owe a debt to your parents um, because I did this for you, right? So then now you have this burden of responsibility of having to, to pay back a debt that you didn't even know you had. And I, wow, because that's huge, the retirement plan thing, because I think that especially in a lot of economic immigrant communities, first-gen communities, where your parents literally came here to have a better life, they don't have a retirement plan. You are their retirement plan. Absolutely. Right? And imagine, and I think a lot of times I see this, especially in individuals who are maybe like 20, 26, especially to the age of 40, who are literally getting the career thing right, trying to start families, getting married, all of that, who are also having to take care of their parents. And can we talk a little bit about that struggle? Absolutely. You know, you, we, we all have prime years, right? Like your 20s, 30s, and 40s, and 
you know, at least within the American context, right? There's, you have your hustle years, your grind years, like I gotta chase the bag years, right? No, y'all don't be quiet. <laughs> we all have that, but then it's interesting when you're first generation, it's okay, I have to do all these things, but then I have to look behind, right? Um, and how do you climb this mountain of life when you have all this additional weight, right? To carry, you have grandma, you have, some of us have family back home that we still have to send money to. And, you know, you're in America. You're living the American dream. You know, can I get an iPhone? I said, I don't even have one. Like, <laughs> you know, so, so it, it is. The expectations become heavier and heavier and heavier. So it's, it's a conversation about boundaries. And what does that mean, right? I know in our prep we talk about when to set appropriate boundaries with those people who expect a return in their investment right, and you're the person, or you're the, the successful one, or you're the youngest, right, I'm the youngest, so I have to get it right, listen, right, so that additional pressure, so what do you do when you are the youngest, and this cousin didn't get it right, and that cousin didn't uh, get it right, and that sibling, right, and all, all is on you, you have to set appropriate boundaries. Yeah, because I think sometimes we, we feel this burden of like we owe it to our families if we become successful to give back. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that is not always financial. That is sometimes we're too accessible to them, always have to answer the phone, or we get that, that clap back from them, oh, you didn't pick up my call, so do you think you're so big now that you can't pick up my mm -hmm. phone call, right? And it's like it demeans us, Absolutely. right? Because I'm at work, <laughs> right? <laughs> or, or I'm watching Love is Blind on my couch, leave me alone, <laughs> like, you know? Like, leave me alone. So, so I think sometimes, too, is speaking about boundaries. I know we use the term boundaries a lot, but I also see a lot of people actually struggle to execute on their boundaries. Mm -hmm. Because I think for us, if we're being honest in the room, it is difficult for us to communicate boundaries to our family. Mm -hmm. so, so sometimes in, in an effort to not step on toes or be considered disrespectful, we don't communicate them. We attempt to execute them, but then we fall through because the execution comes with a backlash that we weren't prepared to receive. Absolutely. Right? So I see that that's where we struggle with because great example, you said, you know, the whole retirement, it's a real thing. You know, you, it's like, oh, like, I'll give a great story. I have a friend of mine who, you know, they're struggling. They're like, they always send the money back home and stuff. And they're a young couple. They're raising kids. And, you know, at one point in time, like, her husband's like, I'm going to pull up on my parents in Africa. I'm just going to pull up. Where is all this money going to? Because Absolutely. I'm trying to put my, I'm trying to pay for daycare and I'm always sending money home. And I want to see my investment. I want to see where, you know, the, the gen, the gen that broke last week. Where's the, where's the, <laughs> <laughs> where's the gen? Where's the generator that I, I replaced? Let's be, let's be for real, you know? And, and, you know, of course, of course, they, he went home, he didn't see anything. He, he saw that they're using the money for something else, right? And, and sometimes, does it, get, does, it, is it, does it require us having to see it to believe it? When you know in our heart that they're not really doing what they're saying with the money, and you're making sacrifices financially, emotionally, to please them, and they're not even seeing, you know, what you're going through, Right. So, so I think we need to, I, I would love if you could just quickly speak that on that before we, we start taking some questions here is how do we actually execute the boundaries? Well, it's, it starts with two things, right, very quickly. The, the fact that we don't have boundaries as certain communities is because we were never allowed to have, right? When, it, it, like the whole 
room thing, and I sometimes I find myself doing that. Like, listen, this is my house. You have nothing. But it's kind of like, okay, you, you, it, it starts with that, right? The lack of your, you have no privacy. You have nothing that's yours. I pay the bills. I pay the rent. So it's almost like you're just there. Like, I'm just here, right? So you, you never really had access to appropriate boundaries. Like, okay, I understand this is my house. This is your room, but let me knock, and maybe I'll look through this stuff while you're gone. But, you know, but there's still appropriate boundaries. So that's that's one thing's first. It's like, okay, you have to identify. I never really had it. I was never allowed to have boundaries because it was a rebellion or attitude or, you know, just being a, a defiant child, right? So then how do you start setting it is any, it's the simplest thing, anything that feels uncomfortable to you. We have the Holy Spirit. We have intuition. We have, we have that gut feeling. So a boundary is simply saying, hey, this doesn't feel right. My own body is making me upset. Some people may even have hair loss. Some people may have uh, skin acne. Your body tells you that whatever it is that you're doing needs a boundary. And being able to really identify that, not so much... Um, for them, but for your own self. And oftentimes what you what you realize when you do set a boundary and somebody's upset by it is because they were comfortable without it. Wow. I love that you said that because real quick before we switch here, something else that just came to mind is also how a lot of first gens struggle to make decisions as adults without their parents' support and help. Mm-hmm. Like, like, tell them the story about when you try to go grocery shopping the first time oh, <laughs> after so you left. Oh, my gosh, my mom probably watched <laughs> um, So, yes, I was I was a late bloomer. I got my own place, like any first-generation immigrant. I was, like, 28 years old, right? I wasn't married, and the American thing is, like, okay, you get your own apartment. If it was up to my mother, I would stay home until I got married. So, long story short... I went against the grain, I followed my instincts, and I, I got my own place. But fun fact, I, I lived with my mom for many, many years, and I didn't know how to grocery shop. So I'm sitting here in the middle of the grocery store trying to figure out what I eat. I'm a big girl, clearly I eat, but I didn't know what. So I had to call my mom and ask her, hey, what do we eat? And she's like, you're Puerto Rican, rice, beans, chicken. Like, what you mean? But you do get a decision paralysis because Again, with the boundary setting, right, you're not able to critically critically think for yourself. So somebody's always, no, don't do this, do that, go here, be there, hush your mouth, cry over there, do this, hurry up. You're always being in that authoritative state of parenting that you don't realize once you're out in this world, right, when you're, I just want to be free, I just want to be free. You're like, how do I show up being free. And what does that mean for me? So oftentimes when you find yourself not knowing what to do, that's that's an area where, okay, I need to develop my critical thinking because this wasn't nurtured. Wow, 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 that's, that's so good. I think we can clap right there because that's a big, big. So I'll take the first question if we, if we have it yes. for my live readers here. I forgave someone who hurt me, but I see the same recurring patterns from before. How do I deal with this? Wow, wow. So they, you, you forgave them once and they still doing it. Wow. That's a real thing. That's a real thing. Um, go ahead. Oh, 
Okay. Okay. No, I mean, I didn't know if you wanted me to talk. <laughs> no, it really depends, right? Because certain things you you may forgive, like an incident, but then some people have certain personalities and certain characters, right? So, are you forgiving a personality trait that may that they may not even be aware, or part of a flawed character that they haven't developed their Christ-like nature? Like, what is it exactly that you're forgiving, right? And then, you know, after the first second offense you got to duck and then you have to set that boundary of like okay maybe this is a personality maybe there's a, a character trait but while you sort that out I'm gonna excuse myself a little bit yeah and I think also like I I was saying this in the first service that sometimes you are doing the work to grow and the other person isn't absolutely and how sometimes it's it's more obvious the more you grow that this person is not even like working on themselves right mm -hmm. and so I think the contention is that when you're giving someone many chances are you are you just afraid of releasing that relationship absolutely. or changing the access you've given to that individual Right, because sometimes like, oh, they're your BFF, but they keep doing the same thing over and over again to hurt you, and they keep, they keep saying sorry. Maybe that, that toxic behavior was modeled to them, right? Mm -hmm. Where their parents would communicate something to them and they wouldn't follow through on, their, on what they're promised, right? And so you're just supposed to get over it, right? So they're expecting you to just get over it mm -hmm. as well. And then you do that enough where that person is used to having people that just tolerates them and doesn't call them out. Right. And so my thing is, I, and it, again, like, you know, the scripture tells us that we should forgive people 70 times, seven times. So I know that there's a, there's a sense of like, yeah, you do need to release that person, but like, don't release them and keep them if they're not, if they're, if they're damaging you. Absolutely. Like who said that you have to hold on to these people who are not doing the work? Mm -hmm. Like who said it? I don't know where it is. Give me the scripture because I'm trying to figure out why so many of us are holding on to people who are genuinely not good for us, right? Because we just, maybe we're afraid of being alone or it's we don't. the shame, the guilt, the what if. I call it the law of courtesy. How does it look like that I don't pick up my aunt's call? You know, what would society say, right? There's a lot of underlying pressure, you know, that how come you don't come for Thanksgiving or Christmas or you're going to go do Easter or somewhere else, you know, what would they say? We, we, we are created to be in community, in a relationship, and that can be a beneficial thing, but then I, that also can be a bullying thing. So there is a lot of that pressure. I think also we have to understand that we have a high tolerance for a lot of toxic behavior mm -hmm. in immigrant communities. Like, because it's normalized in us, we often see it as, okay, I'll just, I'll just roll with it, right? Mm -hmm. And so your tolerance level lets a lot of stuff in. And so maybe the prayer should be, Lord, adjust my tolerance level mm -hmm. so that I can be at peace, right? Because at some point, like, you don't even understand that you're just letting people consistently tramp on your heart like God is trying to speak life into you and give you revelation about purpose and stuff, but you have somebody that is manipulating you. Absolutely. Right? Or you have a manipulating, and I, I'm like a big proponent of, we talked about, well, I'm going to let you say the frontal lobe thing in a second, but like, it, I think I'm also a big proponent of like, if, if you show me that you're, you're, you're toxic, mm -hmm. I'm going to let you go. You know, because I don't, I, but, but I didn't get there because when I was 25, and we could talk about this, I was okay with that. 
And so what happens between the ages of 27 or 26 yeah. and 29? Yeah, we did talk about that a little bit in the first service. We talked about after 25, your frontal lobe officially develops. So I made a, a reference to a lot of my clients are between 26 and 29 years old because they start having an existential crisis. The brain fully develops, and then you're kind of in that halfway point of seeing everything clear. Imagine you're driving and the mirror is dirty, and then your frontal lobe develops, and then the windshield wipers cleans off the dust. And you're like, oh, I didn't realize that was there. So that's essentially what's happening to your brain. So then now you have to reconcile where you've been to where you're going. So during that moment, it may look like a bit of rebellion. It may look uncomfortable. It may even feel like you're spiraling. Like I worked so hard to be in this nursing career and now I'm 28 and I wanna be uh, a TikToker. I don't know, <laughs> so right? And you're like, and then you come to realize that you're like, I never really wanted to be a nurse or, or a doctor or, you know, I, I went in that trap too. I, I went in the doctor program, ended up dropping out. I followed my heart early on. Um, so yeah, so that's something to be graceful. If anybody is within that, that time frame, they understand, hey, this is actually very normal. And David in the Bible had many existential crises in the Psalms that you can see that vulnerability. And then I wanted to touch briefly on, on the other thing. It's the spiritual manipulation that kind of keeps people in trap two of not being free to set boundaries or to not pick up the phone. It's like, well, I feel from the Lord or you're not honoring your mother and your father or I had a dream. It's always a dream. It's always a dream. It's always a dream. Okay. Always. So the beautiful thing and the only <laughs> verse that I have was Job 38:36, and it's an ex excerpt from God and Job's uh, conversation where he's pretty much going in on Job. Um, that's like an amazing, but it says he, uh, he who gives intuition to the heart and instinct to the mind, hmm. right? So we often talk about the mind of Christ, but here God is telling Job, he gives intuition to the heart wow. and instinct to the mind. Wow. He doesn't say it has to go through your parents, through your leader, through your minister, through your prophet, through all of that filtered. God said, listen, I created to have access to you. It's up to you if you want me to have that access. Because he's a gentleman, right? He knocks. And then we have the Holy Spirit, the counselor, who advocates on our yes. behalf. Yes. But he's already prepped us to have that longing and that connection. And the, the challenging part about spiritual manipulation and not having boundaries and not being seen, that goes over to your relationship with God. Hmm. Because how the people that I see have hurt me, wounded me, have made me less than, but then somebody I can't see all of a sudden loves me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We get our relationship with our father misconstrued. And he's a very loving, gentle, kind father. You know, disregard the Noah thing. But after that, <laughs> it's all pretty good for us, you know. <laughs> Just, just, just forget that. <laughs> um, and, and just cue up the next question here. Just wanted to state this point about spiritual manipulation. Um, I think something that's common in a, a lot of African communities is, you know, your, your mom has a prophet that she speaks to that gives dreams and insights about your life. That, yeah, that is spiritual manipulation. And a lot of us need to put, I mean, we joke it off and we laugh it off, but you need to spiritually deal with that Absolutely. because you have somebody who has your name in your picture praying over you and speaking over you. Mm -hmm. 
and manipulating your your parents are under that level of manipulation and they're putting that on you absolutely like you don't you don't deal with that lightly mm -hmm. you know i still had a colleague this week she knows she knows what i do in the ministry but she's one of she's a um she's a clinician as well and she was calling me she's like you know she was like yeah my her son her son's father is nigerian keeps getting called by like, oh, you know, don't the woman you're he's dating is not his wife and other thing. I was like, you better set your territory in the spirit. Absolutely. Don't let nobody else speak over somebody that Absolutely. doesn't even know you, mm -hmm. doesn't have a stake in your life, is saying speaking life over you. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. That is manipulation Absolutely. from the pit of hell. Right. Absolutely. So let's not make it like that is something that we it's very common in our community. Any crisis in the family, they have somebody to call. They're not calling the pastor that you see. Absolutely. They're calling somebody that doesn't even have a stake in your life. God forbid. God forbid, you know. Yeah. And in this day and age with technology, it's like if you don't have access to my cell phone number, you shouldn't be prophesying over my life. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, the prophecy shouldn't be it coming through on WhatsApp. Yeah. Um, uh, next question, please. <laughs> next question, please. Next question. <laughs> it's a two-part question. How do you handle people who hurt you and act like nothing happened? And how do you work to establish boundaries with them? It's very similar to the way we answered yeah, the last it's, one. It's yeah. very similar. Same thing, boundaries. And, and again, healing is our, our bread. Healing is a children's bread. I'm not going to make my healing about somebody else. You know, Judas sat at the table. They're just always going to be around to a certain extent. But you have to go after your healing. You have to, you know, go from glory to glory. You have to, you know, place the demand, right? Yeah. Thank you. Next question. How do I deal with the guilt of stepping away from family? My older siblings also make me feel guilty for being accomplished. Yeah. Wow. That's... Yeah, and I think yeah. we started talking a little yeah. bit about that early on. There's a lot of guilt and shame um, associated with that. And there's a sense of grief, right? We don't talk about grief. We only talk about grief when somebody literally, like, is no longer here. But grief, it, it's, there's this thing called ambiguous grief where it's a loss of, of relationships, ideas, dreams, expectations. So there's a sense of, of, of grief associated in, in that situation where you know, maybe all of us were going to make it, and God didn't call all of us to make it. He just called that person. Um, so there's a bit of grief that, you know, this picture may not look the way that they thought. Yeah. Um, and there is guilt and shame associated. But then that's, that's the paradoxical thing. Like, you brought me here to have a better life. Now I have a better life. So why am I mad? Yeah. I mean, I call it the Joseph syndrome, right? It's just like... <laughs> If we're being for real, like that was Joseph. Joseph had a mark on his life, a purpose on his Absolutely. life. And, you know, there's there's sometimes we have to understand, too, regardless of the circumstances that brought us here to this country, regardless of the circumstances that set you up for success, you're marked. Absolutely. You know, when you are marked and you are positioned by God's purpose to make it in life and to be successful, it doesn't matter who's upset about it. It's going to happen. Absolutely. 
as long as you are in the in the will of God, it's gonna happen, and you cannot apologize for that. Mm -mm. I think you can grieve the fact that, man, I wish my brother, I wish my sister, like, could get it right. I wish she could be responsible enough to be at places on time and do the little things to get it right. But at a certain point, you have to release that also to God, mm -hmm. and don't stop interceding that they will get it right at some point. But it is not your responsibility to coach them to that level of success when they're not called to it. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You could clap because I think that helped yes. a lot of people. It's freeing. Yeah. It's freeing. It's freeing, it's freeing. Right. Like at the end of the day, and this is why I just love the book of Joseph in Genesis. Mr. Lottie's always making fun of me that I'm in the Old Testament too much. But listen, it's a lot of pearls in there. <laughs> but um, if you think about the story, yeah, at the end of the day, because Joseph was marked, he was set up to deliver his entire family. So that's what you don't understand is God is so poetic. He's so intentional. And the short-sightedness we see in not being able to take everyone at the same momentum is, is, is honestly, it's, it's, it's not, um, it's not, it's not giving God enough, it's not giving enough God enough credit mm -hmm. that he knows what he's doing. And right? the timing. And the timing of the it. The timing, because often when we were preparing, we were talking about, okay, so do we take care of our parents? Do we not? Yeah, they could get a little bit of return in their investment, right? We won't be that American. <laughs> but um, there's a timing. And, and, and with Joseph, it was a timing issue. He had to drop a little bit of that heaviness initially on so he could climb higher, higher. And then it was a time that not only him, he collected his brothers, his father, and I believe 70 of his family. Imagine. So there is a timing. Sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off there, but there was a big, there's a big revelation there. Imagine if... Joseph's family had showed up when he was in Potiphar's house. Oh, Seemingly, he's successful, but he wasn't in the position yet. He didn't have the capacity to handle yes. them. Come on. Yes. And so some of us are prematurely giving off what yes. we don't have the capacity to carry yet, and we're crushed by it. Absolutely. Because could you imagine if he was, he was supporting his family, and then what happened to him? He was thrown in jail. Mm-hmm. He would have been the one that the family once celebrated to the one that the family now looks down on. Absolutely. But, but, but God set it up that by the time they met him, the Josephs of the jail had never, they don't even know that he was ever in someone's jail cell because he was in such a position of authority and provision that he had the abundance to give them. So, 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 so let us, let us, let us relax and allow relax. God to pace his time. He's alpha and omega. He literally holds time in his hands. Absolutely. Bible says a thousand years in our hands is like one day in God. Absolutely. So, so let us relax a little bit and, and the guilt that yes. we constantly hold on to that, oh, 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 your time is coming. Your time is coming. Absolutely. Yeah. Next question, please. My parents have hurt me, but I don't want it to affect my relationship with God. How do I deal with it? Mm -hmm. Know that they're separate, your relationship with your earthly parents and your heavenly father, right? Two separate things. And truthfully, as you get closer to your heavenly father, organically, you'll start releasing them so highly. Um, and you'll get healing through that, right? Because we have to understand my mother, my father, they didn't sign up, right? to do that. They're a man and a woman who are humans, who happen to one night get together and I'm here, right? So we have to take that weight, my mother, my father. No, 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 they're 
man and, 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 and woman, they have their own identity, they have their own challenges, their own shortcomings, their own things with the Holy Spirit that they haven't worked out, their own relationship with God. So as you get closer to God and you start allowing him to show his grace in your life and he starts healing you and talking to you, you're going to start showing that grace to your parents because you can't be in God's presence and stay the same. <laughs> That's so good. That's so good. I just love that because um, real quick, if you think about it, sometimes a lot of our parents get scared when we go out and find God for ourselves. Let's let's talk about that. Right, PD? Like, let's talk. Right. It's a lot of it because they're like, oh, what church are you going to? What are they preaching to Who's you there? Authority? Who's your pastor there? Yeah. Right. Who's covering Who's you? Who's covering you? <laughs> It is not that they don't necessarily trust that you're seeking God. It's the fact that you might find a version of God that they haven't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times, and, and, let's get, and let's get freed real quick racially as well, because of the colonization mindset of a lot of our parents, they seek God in a very idolatrous way. So it's the God that is transactional, you know? And when I don't get what I want, my enemies fall down and die, mm -hmm. right? So the whole conversation about grace, freedom, the love of God, not really that important when I have needs that I need God to meet. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So now you're seeking God for grace. You're going to him because you love him, Absolutely. right? And so when you give your tithes and your offering, it's not because it is litigious or something that they force you to do, but it's something that comes from the desire of your heart. That pursuit of God is something that is very different than what they understand, and it scares them. Mm -hmm. And it's also something that because it's so radical and so real, it has the ability to transcend their understanding of God. Mm -hmm. And so I think some of us have to understand that truly going into pursuing God, coming into these spaces is, and, and PD will tell you even sometimes, some of you, even though you're grown adults, your parents will go talk to him. What are y'all talking about here? <laughs> right? Because they're scared. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, no, it's, she's not even waking up at 5 a.m. to do family devotion anymore. That's all they know. Right? So, so. You guys do that too? Oh, dang, girl. <laughs> I'm telling you, Latin families and African families are the same. <laughs> she look at her face. She's like, trauma. PTSD. I'm <laughs> having a flashback. <laughs> Please, let's take this next, next question. <laughs> How do we balance godly forgiveness and loving each other, even though we have the tendency to cut people off and create harsh boundaries? Oh, I have it here. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I figured this was going to come up. So it's really interesting when it comes to friendships, specifically in the church. Let me read my notes. It says, we have the option of being friends, but we do not have the option of not being brothers and sisters in Christ. Wow. Come on, let's clap. That's, that's what, that was the answer. Yeah. That's freeing right there. Yeah, so I can be friendly. I can be kind. We don't need to go to dinner after church or lunch. <laughs> but I still have to love you, and there's a level of respect, and there's a level of kindness. You know, when it says turn to your neighbor and say good morning, I'm gonna, you are my neighbor. We're just not friends, right? 
that's that that's where it is. And I love her. Don't y'all love her? She kept it so real. They're like, we're not friends. We're not. But I don't yeah. have to hold you, and I don't have to yeah. feel any type of way about it. Wow. I I I can love you, pray for you, intercede for you. And still have that love of Christ because you are my brother and sister. We need to get this together because when we go to heaven, it's going to be very awkward. Wow. You know, <laughs> we, we got to nip some stuff right here. So when wow. we go, we're like, dang, they let her in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's so real. <laughs> okay, next question, please. That's so real. <laughs> All right, How next how do I forgive myself after a relationship didn't go as planned and I blame myself? Hmm. <laughs> well, I guess we're going to the relationship portion of yes, this, right? Let's, we didn't get that we, in the first. We need to talk about that. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a hard one, right? Because, like, how, who told you you screwed it up? The other person? Mm. Right? Like, how you know you're the problem? You're the problem, yeah. right? Like, that's that, that's where you have to show yourself grace unless, like, you did something, like, you know, super, super obvious that it was your fault. You have to show yourself grace and treat yourself the same way that you would treat somebody else. Um, when it comes to relationships, it's, it's very complicated, right? We go from glory to glory. Iron sharpens iron. So it just really depends on, in this scenario, was this a situation where you needed to get sharpened in an area? And like we talked in the first service, this is just a consequence of that. Or it could be God's grace, then that person wasn't for you. It's all how you look at it, yeah. you know? I think this is also something that we talked about, too, is just like common, like, relationship faults that we see, mm -hmm. especially, again, going back to like first and second gen families, right? where you know you see a lot of infidelity yes absolutely in relationships like you see that couples struggle to remain monogamous mm -hmm. what is that yeah Oof. what is that Gr spirit of greedy mm -hmm. um <laughs> Um, but yes, 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 yes. It, it's interesting because we didn't give our informal name of this chat. Yes. It was a starts at home um, and we had to, to name it. So it does. We do see a lot of things at home. And again, there's mothers and fathers there in their humanity haven't achieved a certain level, right? Certain certain generations were focused about certain needs. Then you you the idea is you throw the next generation a little further, then a little further and a little further, right? We're kind of like in the grace kingdom. Let's just be self-actualized, you know, self, right? Eating quinoa and gluten-free everything, right? <laughs> so we're we're in a different in a different generation. <laughs> We're trying to, right? We're, we're in a different generation. So just understanding that it did start at home, but that's, that wasn't truly God's design, right? When you look at Adam and Eve, it was his time to just add a couple women there. He chose not to. So we have to really differentiate our culture, right? My Latin culture, or Nigerian culture, or African culture from the kingdom culture, right? We have a compass in the Bible that that applies and that transcends culture, race, ethnicity, uh, region in the world. So what does the Bible said? What was God's divine order? What was his structure? I'm always in Genesis. Like I could barely make it past those, those you know, first few ver uh, chapters because there's so much structure there. That often our, our homes that we came from and then the homes that we're trying to create are out of order because we're not filtering them through the word. Wow. 
That's so good. Wow, that is powerful because, again, we are more likely, without intention, we're just likely to reproduce what we saw growing up, right? And this is why, again, you are Christian before you are Ghanaian, before you are Kenyan, whatever, mm -hmm. right? And I think we forget that a lot. We switch the two, Absolutely. right? And so we often consult our culture before the word of God. Mm -hmm. And then you wonder why there are certain issues. Or you wonder why you are attracted to the same kind of person over and over again, because, oh, as long as he's Nigerian and he's from this tribe and he mm -hmm. is, yeah, Come on, listen. Financial status. This financial status, and then you're, first of all, you're limiting the dating pool so narrow, and then you're like, your pickings are slim, and then your mom's prophet told you that your husband is from Ogun State, and so your, your, or your, mo, you know, your wife is a Shanti tribe, and so you're doing whatever you can to fulfill to, to that. Fulfill that. And then what you end up doing is, uh, what you've done, you, without realizing it, all you've done is consulted culture. Mm -hmm. You've not consulted the word of God, right? Because if the word of God is your standard, number one, the, the waters will not be as murky as they are. Absolutely not. You will have a lot of clarity. You will date without burden, right? Because it is not your burden to carry, to seek out who it is that God has for you, right? And then oftentimes we don't see too that because we have, again, going back to like that expectation from our families, mm -hmm. it is crushing the freedom to choose God's will, right? So go ahead. I mean, well, I was gonna take another question because I know they're gonna yeah, start yelling question. at us. Yes, <laughs> go sir. ahead. How do I deal with friendship fallout where I try to move on, but we have mutual friends? It's mm. a good question. Yeah, that's a good one. It is. It happens a lot. It is. And and then you really have to think about, right, like this falling out thing, right? Spe specific specifically in the in, in the church, right? You take you everywhere you go, right? So we have to get better at relationships yeah. overall, whether it's with my girls, my guys, married, single, because you take you wherever you go. So if there's a lot of fallout, if there's a lot of ending, yes, we're growing, we're evolving, and our friendships do change and they evolve and they mature. The person you were at 40 is not gonna be the person you know you are at 50 or who, who you were at 20 is not gonna be at 30. There's a lot of change, right? And when it comes to the relationships, it's okay to grow out of relationships, but then also, how did this sharpen me? Because if I'm falling out with this friend group, that friend group, that friend group, I'm like, okay, well maybe I'm, I'm the problem, right? Let's, let's look at this. And we have to practice how to have healthy boundaries, healthy conversations. I can be upset at you and not curse you. I could be upset at you and not, not you know, wish anything bad on you. And truthfully, in friendships, in, in our own gender group, that's where we practice for marriage, right? Because if I cut that friend group up, that friend group, that friend, I can't cut my husband off. You really can't. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So where do you practice for marriage is in your singleness or your unmarriedness, right? So when you look at people, I, one of the reasons why I chose my husband, my husband chose me, he has lifelong friends. Mm -hmm. Where, oh, you guys were able to nurture this in elementary, middle school, wow. high school, college, and then some. I didn't have that skill set. So, uh, you know, I, I admire that. 
I was like, oh, you know, I was like, cut it off, let's go. <laughs> uh, but I really admired that trait yeah. where I was like, okay, wow, this is somebody that can hang in there. Yeah. Yeah, and I think sometimes too, if we're being very honest, because I, I, I've been, I'm also somebody that struggles with mm -hmm. relationships and friendships. And the honest truth is because when you're in ministry, there's a lot of enmeshment. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes people see you in ministry roles and then they're trying to be your friend and then, you know, they feel like they could judge you in all areas and you just, you struggle to navigate Absolutely. that. So sometimes for the betterment of your peace, you do let people go and that comes with oftentimes having to disconnect from people that you didn't really want to let go in the first mm -hmm. place of, but they just, it's like collateral damage, right? They just came with the territory Absolutely. of disconnecting. I do think that it comes with time that you, I, I have found that the easier I'm able to make peace mm -hmm. with the people that have to go with that person, the, 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 the easier it is for God to bring the right individuals to my life because Absolutely. it's safe rather than still trying to hang on to that intermediary relationship and compromising your safety because you don't know if you can tell them something, if they're going to tell some, that person something, and you paranoid, do I invite them to this, do I not? And all of yeah, that is happening. Taking and bringing. Yeah, and then you're like, so sometimes it's like you, sometimes you just don't make people choose. Just let them go. It's okay. Right. And I mean cutting them off, like the person you had the issue is with who you had to like let go, truly cut off, right? Yeah. But you don't have to cut everybody off. You just have to might have to distance yourself temporarily so that things can settle, you know? Mm -hmm. And that way you can, you can actually have more healthy communication with those individuals in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, they always say that cliche, oh, you're like the sum of the five people you hang around with. So if you're no longer hanging around that five group, uh, that group, then, Maybe you going back and forth is not healthy. It's, it's you not being able to truly allow yourself to fly to your next. Mm -hmm. And there's never, been, there's never been a fallout or a relationship that God has disconnected me from that it didn't set me up to do better. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's just, I was really reflecting absolutely. on it the other day. I'm like, man, you know, I had a friend that we were childhood best friends for years, and I had a huge falling out when I was 23. It broke my heart. It shattered me. And... We didn't speak for five years. She missed my wedding, like did, you know, deep, deep wounds, right? And I looked, I felt so bad because once we finally reconnected, it was like we were cool again. Never cool to that same level, but we were still cool, right? But it, it sucked that she had to miss that much life. I missed that much of her life as well. But I just realized like we were not in a space where we could have been genuine friends. Absolutely. Like there was not enough, we weren't growing at the same pace. There were too many things. And so sometimes you just have to mature, be mature enough to make peace with the fact that, you know, no love lost, you know, time Absolutely. went on, but you know, I'm happy that we know who each other now and we can move on from it, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. So, next question, please. Does your therapist have to be a Christian? That should be a quick answer. <laughs> I'm Christian, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's about mindset, right? You want to be, wh whether it's, you, you want the best person for the job, right? But you also want somebody who has a similar mindset. And then I can also answer another question that we had. Um, what makes a good therapist, right? You have to understand what, what is it that you're looking for in a therapist, right? Not all, of, all the therapists are created equal. There's dis different disciplines, right? So like when you go for a massage, how you go to a good, good massage therapist, right? You 
go on their website, you talk to friends, you you hopefully go to somebody that somebody has already been been to, but you have to be clear on what type of a massage therapist you want. Do you want deep tissue? Do you want shiatsu? Do you want hot stone? Do you want couples massage, right? And you kind of choose your, your therapist on their specialty. So you can't go to somebody who specializes in deep tissue and has like man hands and then, oh my God, they broke my back. It's like, well, that's their specialty, right? So for example, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. So I, I specialize in relationships, in couples, in family of origin, trauma, hence the conversations that we're having. Other people focus on mental health where it's depression or bipolar or schizophrenia, right? And not to be confused with psychiatrists, mm. which are medical professionals that uh, give you a diagnosis and may refer you to have a medication management. So often there's a fear of, do I go to a therapist? They're gonna think I'm crazy. They're gonna give me pills. They're gonna do this. So do a little bit of homework and also understand what it is that you feel that you need and define what is your definition of good. Right. So for me, my definition of good, it necessarily wouldn't be somebody who has like a thousand degrees. It would be somebody who has lived experience, has some scars and yes. some healing. Yes. So I would go to an older clinician who's probably been married 30, 40 years yes. and is going to tell me is going to be OK. Right. I wouldn't go somebody who just got married and is happy. Yes. I want to make sure that they, they know how to do this. So you kind of have to have an idea what it is that you're looking for. Some clinicians talk a lot, as you could tell, I'm a talker. Mm -hmm. Other clinicians are, are more quiet and they'll let you do, do the thinking and kind of come up to your own conclusions. Christian therapists, you are interesting because for me, I was secularly trained, but I'm Christian and I study the Bible so I can marry the two. Whereas certain Christian therapists may only look at the Bible, right? Yeah. So like if you go for like, I don't know, you're, you're, you're 21 and things happen and you went to a date and the date dated, right? <laughs> they're going to they're gonna be like, oh my gosh, you're in sin or you're struggling with this or you're struggling with that. Whereas somebody who's looking at it from an intergenerational lens would be like, well, you know, your mother did this at 21, your grandmother did this at 21, and your great-grandmother, right? So there's like a premature babies at a wetlock, right? Yes. So you would want somebody who can marry the two and not just say everything's a sin or let's just pray this because there is some mental health component that you can kind of look. Yeah, and I love that you are answering it very plainly because I think a lot of people put their, their, their it's, 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 it is a decision, finding a good therapist, a decision that does require a bit of research Absolutely. and a bit of fact finding, but it's not impossible, right? And like, I'll, I'll just share a good example because the Holy Spirit dropped in my heart. Like I was seeing a regular, you know, a therapist, therapist I was seeing, you know, early on in my career was very different than the kind of therapist when I went through a big, you know, uh, infant loss. I saw a grief therapist when it specialized in grief and um, child loss, you know, because my regular therapist could not speak to that, right? Absolutely. So I was in a year of just that, right? Mm -hmm. Then got out of that pit and then found a therapist that spoke more to like being an entrepreneur and being a high functioning woman. Like how do I not fall apart every single time because I'm constantly making decisions and still be a good wife, you know? Like, so those, sometimes you just need to make it plain for yourself Absolutely. and realize that each season might necessitate a different type mm -hmm. of therapist to support where you're at. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, so we'll take one more question here. How can I go to God freely when I know that there are things I am doing that are not of God? but I cannot stop. I feel like I'm taking advantage of God's grace. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, but in the same context of being plainly, you don't go take a shower outside and then jump in the shower, right? You go to the shower to shower. So there's going to be some germs. There's going to be some gunk. There's going to be some stuff in you. So essentially what that person is trying to do, okay, I need to go take a shower. I need to go to God. But I have all this stuff. He's the guy, the, the God who's going to help you get clean. So why are you trying to do the work that organically happens in that relationship by yourself? Hmm. I also, as you know, I, what I sense in that question is there is a need for some level of deliverance. Mm -hmm. Because if you keep finding yourself in the same sin, then you're not being delivered from it. Absolutely. And I think we need to understand, and Minister Wallet and I, we chat about this every so often about how deliverance requires is in stages as well, right? How the first step of deliverance is you admit I need deliverance. So you're not a willing captive to that thing. Mm -hmm. And then there has to be a level of surrender to the process of deliverance because a lot of times we're not surrendering it, right? So great example, if you're addicted to pornography, you're not surrendering the vices that make it possible for you to watch porn. So the things that you're not, you're not, you're not accountable, you're not, mm -hmm. you don't give yourself. I mean, sometimes like it, it's, it's as serious as you submit your phone to your roommate at a certain time. Absolutely. Like we, I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes I feel like Christians, we complicate deliverance. Mm -hmm. Like, you, ha you cannot give the enemy, like, the access to pollute you, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes it's, it's, you know, creating opportunities for you to, uh, to confess, right? Holding yourself accountable that if I fall, I must confess. And you know that does something to you to have to actually speak it out every time, right? So, so those are some of the things that you need to do. But more so, keep accessing him at the altar because the presence of God does get rid Absolutely. of these things, right? It's that constant pursuit. The enemy will eventually get tired when he sees you just keep coming back here, mm -hmm. right? And that's why he keeps trying to convince you, well, you did it last night. I don't think you should go to church. Absolutely. Because he knows if you just keep coming back, it weakens him, right? Because mm -hmm. he knows for some of you who are addicted to porn, you just heard something that just helped you. So he knew that if I could keep them away from church, they won't, and you came. And so, so I want you to know in the depths of your heart that you just have to keep coming back. Absolutely. You know, I, I, um, we're going to transition here in a mm -hmm. second because I think it's important that as we finish this series, we do give a, people the opportunity to take the scars and take, you know, Paul talks about this thorn in his flesh, you know, that he is battling with. I want you to come with your thorns. I want you to come with your scars. It is not impossible for God to deal with this stuff. Some of you, I was saying into the first service, you, you really will not be able to get married without dealing with this. And it's for your own good. It's for your own good. You won't be actually be able to get the promotion. They won't accept you into med school until you get your mind right. Absolutely. And that's hard for a lot of people because you've been feeling stagnant in this season. You, you know that there's a work, you're just having a difficult time communicating in prayer about what is it that I'm supposed to be dealing with, right? Absolutely. But it's the elephant in the room that you're ignoring, mm -hmm. right? And so I think we must understand, and, and I, 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 was, I shared this example in the first service, I'll share it in here in the second service, that a lot of times God keeps us hidden so that it, it allows us to make the mistakes without being judged. 
I think about it that imagine if you at your point were at the level of being on a pedestal where you had a million followers, where a lot of people knew your business, you had paparazzi following you, your every move, people were blogging about you, what would be said about you? What would be said about you? Now, this is also for people who are Christians, who are, are steady. If the whole church was made up of an individual, a Christian like you, what would the church be? What would the church be? If the standard of Christianity and faithfulness was me, and the whole church was filled with me, what would the church be? So, so I, I'm here to, hopefully, we're here to provoke you to do the work, but you must have the foundation of God's presence to help you. We, we have told you to go to therapy. We've given you the words to describe. We've told you how to find a therapist this month. God bless PD. He laid an excellent foundation in the scripture the first week. Absolutely. Excellent. And we've built enough clarity where you cannot be ignorant. The devices of the enemy work well with ignorance. And guess what? We just disarmed him. Absolutely. We disarmed him because now you know. Now you know what to call the behavior, the manipulation, the spiritual manipulation. Now you know what to call it. And so I want to encourage you, if you can stand to your feet this afternoon here, because there is a work that can be done in just a few moments. And I'm going to have um, Deborah stay up here with us while we do this, because I think it is important that we, we get this done. And I'll have just a few of the ministers, if you don't mind joining me up here, yes. to be able to receive people. But we will not leave this atmosphere without healing. Absolutely. We're not going to leave you out here vulnerable so the enemy can manipulate what you've heard. And, and I'm just going to have the worship team come up here and lead us in an atmosphere of worship. Ushers, if you could clear the stage here. We are going to transition because we want God to do a finished work. Tell somebody finished work. Finished. Finished work. God specializes in a complete work. So if you heard anything in the last month that you know for sure you need to work on, I want you to begin to pray about that thing. I want you to begin to pray that the Lord help you. Don't look around. Don't look at your friend who you came to church with. Don't look at your partner, your, your, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your spouse. Just look within yourself and ask the Lord that God heal what I have come with. I've heard it now. I understand what to call it. Now I'm asking for your healing, God. Thank you for tuning in to the Gap Church Podcast. We hope this message blessed you. If you made that choice to give your life to Christ, congratulations. We celebrate you. Don't forget to text SAVE to 817-381-5353. Again, text SAVE to 817-381-5353. Thank you so much and have a blessed week.